And we said, if that's what Jesus was like, we should be the exact same. And so our vision uh, was always to create a church that unchurched people love to attend because we want to be like Jesus. Now the problem or the tension, uh, it's not really a problem, the tension is that when you want to create a church that unchurched people love to attend, uh, you have to start with a bunch of church people. Because it would be very awkward to walk around to a bunch of unchurched people and say, hey, you want to start a church with us? Um, that just would not work. And so right from the outset, we, we started to have a bit of a conversation. We said, okay, well, if we want people to, to step into a relationship with Jesus, and we want to create a church that unchurched people love to attend, if unchurched people start coming and people who have no experience, uh, exposure to church and don't know Jesus, start coming and they love it, which we hope they do, and we start to grow, they'll all become church people. Okay, well that's, that's a bit of a tension. So how do we keep maintaining and, and pushing forward and making sure that we don't ever lose sight of the fact that we want to create a church that unchurched people love to attend? And the image that we kind of came up with is really a little bit like a bike. Because if you've ever ridden a bike before, you'll notice that there's a frame in, in a bike. The bike has kind of the frame, and I'm only going to just wheel it over to the middle because I feel like if I try to ride like up and down the aisle, I'll just get lost. Um, so this is about as far as we'll go. But if you, think, if you think of a bike, the mission and the vision and the values of our community are essentially the frame of the bike. They're the structural integrity that hold the bike together. Without it, that you may as well not have a bike. They're so, so important. But we kind of have this thing that we sort of call, what we call like a flywheel. Because the wheels are really what give the bike traction. The frame is so important, but unless you get the wheels right, it's, the bike is not going to go anywhere. And so we really said that, hey, if someone was to, to um, become a fully devoted follower, what would that look like? Because our hope here is, is that if you're here tonight for the first time, or maybe you've just been coming back for a while, that the Beyond wouldn't just be another church. The Beyond wouldn't just be a place that you went to one Sunday and you had a feed and you had a little bit of fun. That the Beyond would actually be a place that you would say, you know what, this is not just a church. This is, this is my church. That when people speak to you in the future, that, that they would say, that when they say, hey, you've got a church, you say, oh yeah, Beyond, that is my church. And so we, sort of, we said that in order to move the mission forward when we want to reach unchurched people, there's four main characteristics or ways that people would know if they're moving towards or if someone would say, hey, how do you know if this is my church? And the first way is simply this, is to serve on a team. And we, we, um, if, if you talk to any of our leaders here, I guarantee that one of the things that you'll discover very, very quickly is that when people begin to serve, what they actually discovered is that they got more out of it than they had to give up. Well, they had to give up their time, well, they had to, to give up maybe a portion of their Friday night or some of their weekend. What, they, what we actually discover is that people actually feel that they get back more than they give up. Because our leaders have the opportunity to speak into the next generation. Our leaders have the opportunity to change lives. And so they say, you know what, we get back more than we give. The second way is this, that you would connect in a group. See, beyond, we, we believe that Beyond doesn't happen just on Sundays. We believe that real, true life change happens in circles when you can get face-to-face -face with someone. Rows are great. We love coming together on Sundays. Rows are great. You know, row your shoulder to shoulder. And, and when you connect in a group, when you gather in homes throughout the region, like so many people uh, of these groups do, or in public places during the week, what we actually discover is that those groups look a lot like the first church looked. And they'll open their Bible. They'll pray for each other. They'll begin to share what are their struggles. They'll begin to support each other. 
And so we would say, hey, connect in a group. The third way is to give a percentage. It's interesting because often people have this perception that the church wants to take money. And the church wants to take something away. But, but really, if you understand the teachings of Jesus, Jesus just kind of makes plain what we already know. The stuff you own, you will only own for a limited time. You're a temporary renter of everything you have. Because when you pass from this life into the next life, you cannot take your stuff with you. And so we, one of the reasons that Jesus talks about giving is, is not to take something away from you, but to stop your possessions taking a hold of your heart. Because you know as well as I do that your heart and your wallet are closely connected. And so we say that when you begin to give a percentage, that your faith comes alive. Because you begin to order your world around the things that God cares about. And then the final way, which is kind of what really makes it all work, because you've got this circle, right? And it's, it's, uh, it's serving a team, connecting a group, giving a percentage, and that's all internal, right? And so if those wheels just keep moving, all that's going to happen is more church people will come. But the fourth one is where we start to grow, and where we start to push out. And the fourth one is really simple. It's invite a friend. And it's what we're going to talk about tonight. Because Christians get so weird when it comes to inviting people to places, particularly when it comes to inviting people to church. And the reason I want to spend some time talking about this tonight is because maybe you've experienced it before, where a Christian has invited you to church and just left a, a bad taste in your mouth. Maybe because it's just so, like, it's weird the way they do it. You know, you're like, oh my goodness, I love it when I can go to Chermside after 5 o'clock and I don't have to pay for parking. And then there's that Christian who's like, you know where else you don't have to pay for parking? My church. You should come sometime. It's great. Free parking. Or, you know, you're walking down the aisle and you, you walk, uh, you go to the candy bar and you're like, man, I just love, I just love, like, gummy teeth. It's awesome. You're like, you know what else has lollies? Beyond. My church. You should come. And your friend's like, it's just weird. Like, they just weave an invite into every single conversation you seem to have. And so tonight I wanted to talk about it because we have an incredible opportunity. The venue, the space that you're going to see next week, has the capacity to seat over 700 people. And so we have an incredible opportunity to begin to extend invitations. But before we get to that, before we talk about the why and the who and the how of extending invitations, I, I want to talk about a couple of reasons that we don't invite, so we can just sort of get that out there right front and center. The first, uh, the first reason we don't invite is we don't invite because we want our church to be bigger. And that sounds weird, right? We don't invite because we want our church to be bigger. And what I mean by that is, is you can go to every single team across beyond. And you can look at every single goal they have. And you will not find a single goal that talks about the number of people we want in a service on a Sunday night. Why? Because nobody here is impressed by numbers. What we care about and what we're impressed by is individual people. You are not a number. And so we never set goals around numbers in Sunday service because what we're impressed about is individual stories of individual people's lives who have been changed and they've encountered Jesus. The other reason that we, uh, that we don't invite, the second reason, is because we're supposed to invite. There's something just so inauthentic about doing something because you're supposed to do it, right? Well, I'm supposed to buy you flowers, so I guess. I'm supposed to clean the room. I'm supposed to cook dinner this week. I'm supposed to do this assignment, right? And there's, just, there's just something incredibly inauthentic about doing it when you're forced to do it. 
I remember so vividly, I don't know why I remember this particular uh, conversation, but uh, me and two friends, uh, they, they, uh, one of them's definitely not a Christian, while one kind of explores and dabbles in, in, in Christianity and spirituality. But I remember maybe about six years ago, we were sitting at Nando's and we were having a conversation and somehow it, it somehow got talking about God. And then in the middle of this conversation, we're talking about God. This lady, and she was really lovely, she just comes up out of nowhere and goes, hey, I just wanted to invite all you three of you to church, because I just saw you and I thought, they look like people who come to my church, so you should come to church because they people there who look like you. And we were like, that's just weird. Like, why would you invite us there? Because that's, what kind of reason is that? There's people who look like you there, so come. What do we look like? Like, what are you saying? Like, and, and she was lovely, and I'm sure she had the best of intentions, but it was just this kind of, I'm supposed to do this, so I'm going to do it. And it just was weird. It came off with this pushback. And here's, here's the third reason that we don't invite. We don't invite because we think something is wrong. You know, you know those people that are always trying to get into their gym? She come to my gym. Hey, you know there's a two-for-one membership at my gym? If you sign up now, you, you, you'll get a discounted rate. After a while, like the third or fourth time, you start to ask them, like, well, hang on, time out. Do you think I'm fat? Like, is there something going on here? Like, tell me that. Like, is there, what, what is wrong with me that you keep bringing this whole idea up? Like, why do you keep bringing it up? And so we don't invite because we think something is wrong with people. How horrible is that? You should come to church because something's wrong with you. That's just not what we're about. But there, there are some reasons that we do invite. The, the reason that we do invite, or one of the reasons that we do invite is really simple, is because Jesus makes our life better, and he makes us better at life. I know that's true in my life. The more I follow Jesus, the better husband I become, the better friend I become, the better I become at managing my finances, the better I become at being able to deal with my past. And so, so the reason we invite is simply because when, when we follow Jesus, he actually makes our life better. And he makes us better at life. And, and why would you not want to invite someone into that? Why would you not want your friend's life to be better? And to help them be better at life? So that's one of the reasons we invite. The other reason that we invite is because Jesus is often better experienced than he is explained. I have, quite humbly I think, one of the best slow cook rib dry rub recipes going around. It's a Kansas-style dry rub. It's got cane pepper in it and paprika. I don't want to give too much of the recipe away. And the reason is because I could explain this recipe all day long to you. I could tell you the process of how I get up at 6am and, you know, you know, wrap it up in, uh, in cloud wrap and then like when I get it out, I get all my wood chips soaked. I could tell you all of that, right? But the truth is, until you experience the ribs, you don't really know how good they are. You don't really know whether I'm just some guy that went on YouTube or Google and just found like a, a, a list of dry rub recipes and just started quoting them back to you. Like, chances are you probably why, but that's a weird niche to, to YouTube. Now you're probably curious, like, did you Google it or not? But some, there are some things in life that are just so much better experienced. And the same is true for Jesus. You can explain Jesus to people, you can rationalize it, and you can have those discussions, but there comes a point where you just have to say, you know what, you should just come because Jesus is better experienced than he is explained. And Jesus was forever extending invitations. 
Jesus extends a really general invitation to everyone who's ever lived to say, hey, come and follow me. But when you read the, the four biographies that we have on Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you begin to discover is that there are certain times throughout those biographical accounts where Jesus actually extends individual invitations to people. And tonight what I want to do is I want to look at one particular invitation that Jesus extended to a person. And I want to use that as like the model and the, excuse me, and the template for what, how we can learn how to extend invitations that change people's lives. And it's found in uh, Jesus' best friend John's account of, of the life that Jesus lived. If you want to, you can uh, turn to, it's in John uh, chapter 4, verse 5, but uh, if, if you don't have your Bible, the words will come on the screen. And John, John explains it this way. It says, eventually, so eventually, because Jesus had been traveling, he was uh, traveling to a, desti- uh, to a city called Galilee, but eventually on the way there, he came to the Samaritan village of Sakaar, and Jacob's well was there. And Jesus, tired, I love how John like, puts that in, tired, because in my mind, I don't ever really picture Jesus getting tired. I just think, imagine him like on a caffeine fuel high, like all the time. So it's nice to know that like, yeah, sometimes Jesus gets tired, like I get tired. From the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Now that's weird, if you understand the culture, because remember, this is in the Middle East. This is midday in the Middle East, the hottest time of the day. You do not go to draw water at the hottest time of the day. Instead, you you draw water in the cool of the morning or the cool of the evening. And so Jesus is sitting there tired and exhausted and and his disciples have gone into Saqqara to try and find some food. Jesus sees this woman come to the well and he says to her, please give me a drink. Now, this is not like a first century pickup line that Jesus is trying to like crack on. It's, it's what Jesus is using to begin a conversation. To say, hey, can you explain to me why you're here at the worst possible time to do what you're trying to do? And the woman was surprised. Why? Because Jews, which Jesus was, refused to talk to Samaritans, which she was. So there was, there was a, lot of, a lot of tension, a lot of cultural tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. There had been wars waged between these two groups. Jewish men didn't look at Jewish uh, Samaritan men. They kind of, Jewish men viewed the Samaritans as lesser. In fact, if you're a Jewish man, you didn't even make eye contact or look in the direction of a Samaritan woman when you were making your way through the village. And so this woman is surprised because not only, not only are you a Jew and you're a Samaritan, but you're a, a Jewish man and I'm a Samaritan woman. You shouldn't even be looking at me, let alone talking to me. What's going on? And she goes a step further. She says to Jesus, you are a Jew, remember? I am a Samaritan. Why are you asking me for a drink? Why are you even talking to me in the first place? And Jesus goes on. And he goes on to explain to this woman. He, goes, he uses the well that they're at as kind of this illustration. He goes, hey, you come to this well all the time to draw water. And you have to come back day after day after day after day. Because you drink this water and it leaves you thirsty. And Jesus says, well, what I want to give you is this term that he refers to as living water. And if you drink of this living water, as Jesus says, you will never thirst again. And, and Jesus is not really talking about the well. He's talking about something bigger because it's true that in all of our lives, right, there are things that we chase after that we look to satisfy us. Whether that's money, 
whether that's a, a job, whether that's a grade, whether that's fame or power, whatever it is, so many of us chase after things and we're looking for that relationship or whatever it is that will just satisfy the needs that we have within us. And what Jesus is saying to this Samaritan woman is, is, is what you're looking to satisfy you, is it really going to satisfy you? What are you looking towards? What are you, what are you moving towards? What are you looking to, to satisfy you? And then the woman says, I kind of want to drink some of this living water. This is like, I want what you're offering. And so then Jesus kind of, after he's extended this invitation, what we're going to see next is Jesus kind of really rams home and kind of articulates to this woman, not to make her feel bad, but to, so that this woman knows exactly why he's extended the invitation. Because Jesus says this, go and get your husband, he told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. And Jesus said, yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. And in that culture, in that society, marriage wasn't an equal division. There was no equality in marriage. If you wanted to get, if you were a woman and you wanted to get divorced, that was not an option on the table for you. Divorce papers could only be issued by the man, which means that for this woman, there had been five men in her life that had used her and then said, we're done with you. And the man that she was with now didn't want to take that next level of commitment to even call her his wife. And Jesus says this, so this Samaritan woman knows exactly what he's getting at. Jesus says, I know who I was extending an invitation to. I want you to know that I didn't just see you at the well and just assume that you were this Samaritan woman. I knew everything about you. And I still extended the invitation because regardless of whether you feel worthy of an invitation from God or whether you feel worthless, Jesus says, I extend the invitation in other words, what Jesus is saying is there is nothing you can do on earth that will affect your worth to him. There is nothing you can do that will prevent him from extending that invitation to you over and over and over again. Just like there was nothing that stopped him extending that invitation to the Samaritan woman. And the reason that Jesus was able to extend that invitation is because Jesus was listening for a cue. And we see this all throughout, the, all throughout the times that Jesus extends invitations, that Jesus does so when he hears a cue. And we kind of, kind of condense these cues down. We call them the three knots so that, to help you remember them. We call these cues the three knots. And we want you to, to begin to think about these because this is really the cue for us to begin to extend invitations to people who experience Jesus. The first cue, or the first knot, is that things are not going well. When someone says to you, oh, you know, you say, how are you going? Oh, that's not good. Or my relationship is, you know, is at a junction. I don't know how to move forwards. I'm in a whole heap of debt and I don't know how to get out of it. I just feel so overwhelmed with all the, the assignments, all the work, all the projects I've got to do. And I don't know how to move this forward. Things are, things are not going well. That's a cue to extend an invitation. The other knot is that I was not prepared for this. When someone comes to you and they're like, you know, I just, 
I, I just enga I got engaged and now we're planning the wedding and I, oh, I'm not prepared for this. When someone says to you, when someone says to you, hey, I just finished uni and now I'm stepping out into find a new job and now I realise that I kind of understand what it means to work Monday to Friday, I was not prepared for this. I was not prepared for what it was going to be like to have, uh, to have uh, more, more than part-time wage coming into my bank account. Now my spending's out of control. I was not prepared for this. Or maybe there was a, a divorce and you were caught in the foyer of it and you just say, you know what, I was not prepared for this. That's a cue to extend an invitation. Hey, why don't you come to beyond? I know a place that can help you with that. And then the final one is this, and it's getting less and less frequent in our culture, but I'm not in church. In other words, I was in church at one point. Maybe they grew up in church, or maybe they, they went to church for a period of time and then something happened, maybe their parents stopped going, or, or whatever it was, they no longer go to church. If you have a conversation, you say, oh, well, I'm at church, they say, oh, well, that's cool, I'm not in church anymore. That should be a cue for you to extend the invitation. Because really, if you want to take the, the ickiness out of it and the weirdness out of it, the cues tell you the who's. Often in our mind, when we're extending invitations, we pick people out, I'm going to give you an invitation, you an invitation. It's just like you're all getting an invitation whether you want it or not. But when you understand the cues, when you're listening for them in conversations, all of a sudden it becomes so incredibly easy to know who you should invite. Because all of a sudden it's that person on the train who tells you that life's not going well. All of, a, all of a sudden, it's that person sitting next to you in class. It's that work colleague. All of a sudden, when those, you start to listen for those cues, the who's become so apparent. And what's interesting is what happens after Jesus extends the invitation to this Samaritan woman. It said the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village to tell the villager that shunned her, she didn't care anymore. She, she was booking it back there to tell everyone. She says, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because the woman had said, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed for two days, long enough for many more to hear the message and believe. Then they said to the woman, now we believe, not just because of what you told us, not just because of what you explained to us, but because we have heard him ourselves. In other words, we've experienced him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the saviour of the world. And through one invitation that was extended, to cross cultural boundaries. One village was completely transformed. And the power of that invitation is in your hands as well. See, you have the power to change a life or to transform a life by a single invitation. Because the truth is, woven into the fabric of Christianity, is the DNA of an outcast Samaritan woman who transformed a village by inviting her village to find her. We are the benefactors of an outcast Samaritan woman who extended an invitation to her village. 
And so how do we begin to transform someone's life? How do we begin to recognize the cues so that they point us to the who as well? We have this thing that's called For Monday because we, we really believe that it's great to know stuff, but until you apply it to your life, nothing changes. And so we have this thing called For Monday. So you can take what we've been talking about tonight and apply it so it can change your life and the lives of the people around you. And the first part of it is, tonight's really just for followers of Jesus. Well, the first part is, the second part's for anyone. The first part's just for followers of Jesus. I don't want you to do this just this week. I want you to begin to do this and, and make it part of your DNA. Is simply to listen to the cues. Every conversation that you're in this week, I want you to begin to listen as you have those conversations for the three nights. When are people saying, hey, things are not going well? When are people saying, hey, I was not prepared for this? When are people saying, hey, I'm not in, I'm not in church right now, but I used to be? So that you can begin to extend that invitation. And then I want you not to do it just this week, but, but for the rest, I just want you to make that part of your DNA. But then specifically for this week, when you hear that, because you will hear that this week, not going well, not prepared, not in church. I want you to invite people to our house for the next week. Use that opportunity to begin to make that part of your DNA. Extend the invitation say, hey, we have got food trucks, we have got live music. What, what better place to experience Jesus than at a housewarming party? And when you begin to make this part of your DNA as a follower of Jesus, over time, what begins to happen is you start to hear two of the most incredible words over and over and over again. And those two words are thank you. Thank you that you extended an invitation to me. Because now I know that the saviour of the world is also the saviour of my world. And if we want to create a church that unchurched people love to attend, we don't want the saviour of the world to be some distant we want the saviour of the world to be the saviour of people's world. So I'd love to pray for us all. Jesus, we just thank you so much that you stepped into history and you extended an invitation to us. Lord, in such a general way, I'm glad that we get a glimpse into just what kind of cultural barriers the, 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 the extent that you were willing to go to extend invitations. Lord, I pray that this wouldn't be something that we would do us. Father, I, would, I pray that as a community, that we would begin to pay attention to the cues. Because every cue points us to a person. A person that you love deeply. A person that you care about deeply. A person that you gave your life on the cross for. So Lord, help us to realise the power that is in our hands. The simple power of an invitation that transform and change everything for someone. And I pray that in Jesus' name.